celebrating National Minority Health Month. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Shakira Grant, who will be sharing her research in the field of healthcare disparities. Dr. Grant, thank you so much for coming on today. Hi, I'm Dr. Shakira Grant, and I'm an assistant professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I spend my time primarily engaged in patient-centered research and our research is really focused on examining uh, factors that contribute to disparate health outcomes for older Black adults with multiple myeloma. Great, thank you. So this month, we're excited to be raising awareness for National Minority Health Month. Um, and I know you have a lot of research uh, focusing in this area. So what are some of the specific areas that your research in this field focuses on? Sure. So currently, we are focused on uh, patients with multiple myeloma. And in particular, we are using qualitative approaches through interviewing and focus group discussions to first gather a better understanding of what are some of the barriers or that drive disparities in this population. And so our approach has been to uh, leverage this understanding through interviews and ask a broad range of questions around things such as difficulty paying for medications, uh, transportation barriers, barriers to clinical trial participation, and in, in general, thinking about the experiences with their providers to understand the role that potential bias and stereotyping may play when we think about delivering equitable care, especially for Black adults with myeloma. Great. Um, so you definitely touched on this, um, but what are some of the uh, the greatest barriers that patients of minority populations face in terms of access to hematology, oncology care in general, as well as uh, specifically for multiple myeloma? Sure. So what we found, in, and similar to other studies that have explored this more from a quantitative perspective, is that patients are, are encountering several different barriers that start even from the time when they're trying to get this diagnosis of multiple myeloma. So for instance, uh, patients uh, experience symptoms that could be nonspecific, uh, that can oftentimes be dismissed by primary care providers or other non-specialty uh, physicians who may not be familiar with multiple myeloma. And what this leads to is potential delays in the diagnosis of multiple myeloma, the need to see multiple specialists, and uh, ultimately uh, resulting in patients having that delay from actually getting the diagnosis. And then once they're in, they experience additional barriers that limit their ability to start treatment um, on, in a timely manner. Other things that we found beyond thinking about the delays in diagnosis are thinking about other barriers like transportation, parking, uh, financial concerns are often very uh, prominent for our patient population, and I believe this extends more broadly to other cancer populations. And a lot of this stems from either not having insurance or being underinsured. And how that translates is that when we prescribe our cancer therapies, oftentimes they have these supportive care medications that go with them. And many times these medications may not be covered by insurance and patients need to pay out-of-pocket costs. And so what we hear repeatedly and see also in practice is that there is this compounding effect for the financial challenges because patients need to be able to pay for parking um, for most uh, at cancer centers or when they're going to their doctor appointments. They also need to pay for gas. In addition, they're paying their co-pays for the medications that are needed to support provide supportive care for their treatments. 
on these things for older adults, especially who may be on a fixed income, may be really challenging because they may not have that flexibility within their budget to be able to afford these extra costs. I will say the other barrier that we don't often think about is also the barrier that exists from the provider's perspective. And this is really thinking about barriers to clinical trial enrollment in particular. And so when we think about the literature that exists, there are several barriers that Black patients in particular with cancer face in enrolling in a clinical trial. We often tend to think about the individual barriers such as knowledge and awareness about trials, but what we don't think about is the stereotyping and the potential bias and discrimination that could occur from the provider's end in deciding whether or not to offer that patient a trial. So it's based on these assumptions that are made about patients and their willingness to participate that may actually limit the provider's willingness to actually offer uh, patients that opportunity. Great, thank you. That was a great overview of all of the barriers. So with all of these uh, complexities, what are some steps that um, clinicians in the community setting can take to um, help mitigate these for their patients? Yeah, so I think there's no easy fix to this. When we think about barriers uh, to achieving health equity, um, especially as it relates to the management of patients with cancer, we need to be thinking about this on all levels. So the first I would say for in the community is thinking about education, understanding first, what are the barriers that patients exist? What are the, the common barriers that may be seen within a particular community practice or a geographic area. And once you have familiarity with those barriers, then understanding what are the ways in which you could potentially start to address them. So for instance, we talked about the barriers such as the financial concerns. Are there, do they have access, for instance, to financial navigators or other resources within the community that can help provide patients with financial counseling? Are there programs that patients could have access to their medications and their supportive care medications at a reduced cost, for instance? The other is thinking also about ways in which you can partner with other community-based organizations who are already in your community leading the charge around addressing health equity for this population. This is a great way to know what resources are available what efforts are ongoing, and ways in which community clinicians may be able to partner with them to advance some of these existing and ongoing efforts. I think the other one is also thinking about those who have limited English proficiency and thinking about ways in which you as a clinician, not only in the community, but also in the academic settings, can deliver culturally and linguistically competent our sensitive care. And that really requires us to be thoughtful whenever we see patients who may be non-English speaking about the way we're communicating, ensuring that we have translators available, ensure that materials about their treatments, their, their visit, that those are being provided in their language to help enhance that communication. And then finally, I believe that this is 
this is not just an effort that we could say advancing health equity is the role of the academic physician or the community physician. I believe that we all have a role to play in advancing health equity. And if we are truly intentional, especially whenever we see patients in asking them about potential barriers rather than just focusing on just oncologic care, then I believe that we can start seeing uh, changes in terms of the reduction of these disparities that currently exist. Fantastic. Thank you. That was some really practical advice, especially like about bringing the patients into it and as asking them about the barriers that they mm -hmm. face. Anything else you'd like to share about other ways to advocate for health equity or anything else you'd like to mention? Again, it ties back to this point around who is responsible for trying to advance health equity. And I think the, the answer to that has to be that this is everyone's concern. Um, why I say that is there is this tendency to think that when investigators, clinicians, researchers identify as a minoritized background, that it should be their, their uh, role um, to take on, you know, approaching equity and finding equity, finding equity driven solutions. But really, we cannot rely on just those who really make up just less than, for instance, less than 3% of the racial ethnic minority population who identify as Black as oncologists. We can't rely on the 3% of oncologists who identify as Black to um, really address all of these health equity concerns. So we really need to have everyone's buy-in uh, to recognize why we need to drive more equitable care for this population. And we need to work together, not only within academic institutions, but we also need to work with our community clinicians and our community-based organizations who are really out there just leading these efforts. Great. Thank you so much for sharing all this today and helping us to raise awareness. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. In addition to our podcast, the Oncology Data Advisor site features expert perspectives and news stories on the latest in cancer research and treatments, all found at oncdata.com.